So Casey, hey. Hello. Have you have you talked to your dad lately? I, I need him to go out there and sort these freaking referees out. They, <laughs> they suck. I know. He I'm, was telling me all about it, complaining about how bad they were. Yeah, I think the um, the guy that we had on Saturday night, I think he was... Uh, I've got T-shirts older than that guy. <laughs> He was he was not the best. There was one thing he did that I was like, okay, I respect that, and that was adding the twelve minutes of added time. Yeah, for all the flopping around on the pitch. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, did yeah. you notice what I put in the notes for this one? I called it Birmingham Actors Theater. Is that <laughs> I what loved it? I loved it. Oh, I see it with the new broom. Wow. I'm trying it for kind of for the first time, so it goes. Bottom is up. All right. So if you haven't figured it out yet, Scouse is on here with me. I've done a really horrible job with introing this pod every time. I was going to start out. Yeah. I was like, I assume everybody <laughs> knows we're going with this thing. So we're already rolling tonight. So this is Kenny Howard. It's in the house 2.0, episode 116. Uh, I got our friend Casey Whitfield from Soccer City Radio and everything else. Casey, thanks for jumping on again. Yeah. Of course. Casey. Thanks for Good having me. You. Who's your friend right there? This is uh, Leo. He Hello, Leo. He's uh, named after Messi, so he's trying to join the party. Okay, so uh, <laughs> he's like Lionel Messi's got like four feet. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Casey, go through uh, the the names of your your kitties. So we did this a little earlier off air. So Casey, what all do you have there for your kitties? Yeah. So my family names cats after soccer players. So since my boyfriend's from Argentina, we were like, we have to pick an Argentinian oh, soccer on, hang player. On, hang on, hang on. You mean I'm not your boyfriend? What's going on here? <laughs> Well, the, the other one, the side one. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. then. Okay. <laughs> so we named him after Messi. And then my parents have a cat named Oscar, who is after Oscar Mboaba, who played for Chelsea, now is in China and played for Brazil. And then my sisters have Rami, who's named after Ramirez, also a former Chelsea player. And then they have Rue, who's named after Cindy LaRue. Okay. Hey, Kenny. What's all Sir? this Chelsea bullshit? I don't know. I, th I didn't catch it in the filters early. Oh, yes. no. You mean the greatest team ever? Yeah, the one that just got beaten? Well, listen. The women's team is killing it, so. Okay. I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you, you that. The women's, you didn't the name women's... your cats off the Chelsea's women's team, though, so we're going to throw a little uh, <laughs> hey on that. <laughs> Casey, let's go ahead and hit this early. So y'all got a big night tomorrow night on Soccer City Radio. Let's Let's get right into that. Absolutely. So we're doing uh, a remote at the big schedule kickoff event for racing at 1020 Brewery. So that event runs from four to eight. And our okay. show is obviously from six to seven. So you have to come check us out. Fun. So is that like your second time out doing a remote? Yes. Correct. So the second one. So we did the first one at the kickoff event for the new beer, which Scouse you have there. So that was our very first one. And now we're doing our second remote uh, to kick off the season for racing. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I will be there, by the way. Awesome. Yeah, because um, I, nice. I told the boss, I'm leaving. I'm going to go. I actually might be able to make that one. I, I just, this now hit me. I think my wife's getting her hair did tomorrow night. I might be able to do this. Really? I got my yeah. hair did. Scouts, <laughs> I got my hair did too. Yeah, see? <laughs> Man, I feel left out. Yeah. <laughs> I can cure that if you want. Oh, I kind of like my hair, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, so Casey, I want to get into something quick with you because we've got another guest coming up in here in a little bit. And for people that will read the title of this, they're going to know that it's our former PR director from Louisville City FC. And actually, it was at Indy first and then moved down to Louisville City to get to the, where the championships yeah. were. And then he moved exactly. on to the USL Championship. So... Our good buddy uh, Scott Stewart will be on here in just a little bit. So he's doing an Instagram live with one of the Phoenix players. And he asked me, he said, could I do it on here with you all with Phoenix player? And I said, absolutely not. That's not <laughs> happening on this podcast. So, Casey, we've done the Challenge Cup. And as Scouts now kind of went through last week, was it last week with Gary Kernin that was on here? assistant? Yeah, I yeah. think it was last week with Gary Kernin. Yeah. We kind of talked about what was going on with that. And we're clear about a, a, a really knowledgeable guy right there. Absolutely, 100% author, published author. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's preseason. That was for fun and show. We introduced racing to the city. So what do you think we've learned so far, Casey, about this team? 
we've learned that they are never going to give up. I think that is the biggest thing. And for me, that's the most positive coming out of the Challenge Cup was the resilience that this team has and just the passion that they have for playing. I think we've learned that they can compete. We might not have a lot of the huge, massive national team names on our team, but we're going to compete and we're going to give you a hard game. I think one of my favorite things that they do is the high press the defensive style that they play because it's so unexpected and it allows us to turn them over in really good positions on the field, which then leads to the thing that I want to see next going into the season, which is finishing our chances and putting those away because we do a great job generating them, but we just got to start putting them in the back of the net. Scouts, we've had I, some surprises. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to boot this to yeah, you. So yeah, I, I you know, um, I'm going to echo everything that you just said because um, the one thing that really upsets me more than anything else is that uh, I've heard quite a few people saying, man, that team's crap. They're always getting beaten. And so, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You know, and uh, I've had this argument with uh, a couple of people. And I, I, for a team that's only been together for five minutes, where a lot of the teams have been out there for, uh, they've, they've been playing together forever. This this hodgepodge of people that have got brought together and, and they're now in Louisville and they started playing together for five minutes and they give the all on that pitch. And the first game at Lynn Family Stadium when everyone went crazy because we uh, equalized the game at, with right. just a couple of minutes to go shows the fire in the belly of every single player on that pitch because they never, ever gave up, which is great. You know, and that's what I expect out of a football team. And um, every single game since then, I've saw, I've seen the same thing in every single match. They're going to fight all the way to the end and um, applause to them all because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of what I've seen on the pitch. It's so, um, it, it's so fast. It, it's so competitive. And, um you know, the, the, the one thing that um, I will say about every single player on that pitch, I'm really proud of every single one of them because they, they show up and they play their hearts out. And for anyone to say that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that the team sucks and, you know, they, they, they think that uh, they're terrible because they, they haven't won anything yet. Just be patient. Just be patient. And, you know, you two know me as... Uh, well as anybody, and if if you can't support your team when they're, they're drawing and losing, then don't support us when we're winning. You know, there's the door. Off you go. Go and support. Uh, you know, since the nasty right down the street who, uh, you know, the 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 losers, right? <laughs> yeah. How long have they been been around and they're still losers? How big is a cupboard? I mean, it's full of silverware, but I guess it's forks and knives. Yeah, it's it, it's something like that because they ain't got any trophies in it. You know, there's a uh, there's a few spiders in there too. You see the spider webs in the corner, but uh, other than that, but uh, yeah, I've, I've loved everything I've seen, and I think um, Coach Holly's doing a fabulous job. And um, you know, I'm not disappointed, not one bit. And the wins will start coming. I'll guarantee it. Well, the wins wouldn't even matter before now, would they? You and I got into this little no. bit of a tiff in the yeah. last podcast. We kind of went yeah. at each other a little bit. You're it's dead right. Preseason. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so what was Louisville City's preseason? Uh, nobody knows, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was our first view of them, and that was great. And what we saw was a passion like you're talking about, Scouts. We got right in. We got the late draw in the first game at home. The place went crazy. It went on NBC with, like, worries about how bright our stadium is. Like, you don't even understand how bright our stadium is. We've only got 3,500 in here. Wait till we get 14,000, 16,000 here. That's going to happen. It's going to happen yeah. soon, it in is. the next month or two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the positives that I saw from this um, – the difference between game one to four for me, Casey, was seeing the midfield play connect. So obviously, you know, we've got a lot of high press that's going on, but if the midfield is not moving the ball correctly, you've left your your back line just defenseless. They have no shot at all. And I've seen a lot more control in this. Gary talked about this. Gary Kernane talked about this in the last podcast. They went a little less um, craziness in the back line. <laughs> they went a little more stability. But we started to see that in Savannah dropping down, almost playing like a six roll, right? We never thought that. She was going to be like a true 10, not a false nine. And she started as a false nine, but she's dropping back to the six, just control play. 
from just a technical standpoint, Casey, given that just a touch from what you've seen from game one to game four about the the way the play is kind of molded from the midfield to give CC and others Yuki to go forward. Well, I think what it's allowed us to do is to be comfortable. You know, game one, we had all of the nerves and everything like that. And you kind of saw it also in game two, because that was the first away game. But towards games three and four, you really saw them take control of the midfield and begin to possess through the midfield. So we were able to find their feet, which helped us in building out of the back, because it's really hard. I know being the forward, I hated when the defenders would clear the ball out and like it was in the air and I had to try to settle it with a, with a defender on my back. And it was, it was just, it's not, it's not pretty soccer, but we are now able to build with Savannah dropping deeper and her ability to hold on to the ball, to keep the ball, to connect passes. She's taking it over, isn't she? She's taking it over. And she's kind of becoming that like box to box player that we need. And she has the ability and the skill level to do that. So when she's getting the ball, it then draws the defense in and allows the outside players to be more open. So we're able to find Yuki. We're able to find Amina out on the wings and generate those crosses. It also pulls somebody off of CC Kaiser because as Savannah checks back, somebody's having to decide, do I go with her? Do There's I a stay lane open, pop? isn't there? Exactly. So it's opening up so many more channels, which has allowed us to generate more um, opportunities offensively. Exactly. You know, and um, again, I, I just I just can't uh, um, say enough about this team. And um, the one thing that I was ask everybody, just be patient because the wins are going to start coming and the, the, the style of soccer that that that. Um, Racing are playing. It's exciting. It's high press. It's um, high attacking soccer. And, you know, what's not to love? You're right. So we've got Gemma that's coming in soon, too. Casey, do you have any insight on what Gemma's going to get here? Um, Gemma's going in for Manchester City, uh, the Women's Premier League, uh, played for the England national team, uh, been a defender for a long time that went through, has many, many caps for them. Definitely give some solidity in the back line because that was always a question, right? After the draft, we're like, we've got seven forwards and then we've got a keeper that can go score goals as well, as we've talked about many times. In Michelle Beto's with <laughs> a header, right? Puts the yeah. noggin on the ball. But but seriously, um, so getting Gemma out of Manchester City is a big get for us. What do we have a timeline for that? Do you know anything else that you can add? The last I heard was that she was going to be here for a beginning of the season so I think it's just trying to work out the visa I think it's trying to work out all those little behind the scene details that people don't really know about Um, but we should be seeing her soon it's kind of what I've heard and it's what I'm hoping so (laughs) oh so on cue uh, I was getting ready to transition into Louisville City from the whole racing conversation. So Scott is going to be joining us right now. He's efforting to get in. And there's our buddy Scott Stewart. Who is that guy? Scott, we don't have you on mic yet. We need your audio, buddy. Wow, you'd think that after like a year and a half of Zoom meetings that I would figure out how to (laughs) unmute myself before I jumped on. But that's just, um, that's the nature of the business sometimes. Yeah, that, that's because you were in awe with the um, – because we got Casey here, and you're going, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I haven't yeah. seen Casey Whitfield in, in probably, what, Casey, close to two and a half years now? It's been a while. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Soccer City's own Casey Whitfield, though. I'm joining a, a yeah. whole <laughs> cast of talents here. <laughs> 100%. It was funny. We were at the uh, game, what was it, about two weeks ago, Scouse, and uh, yeah. I didn't have my glasses on because when I put the mask on, I can't see through my glasses. And Scouse looks over and goes – is Casey and Casey's been on the show a couple of times already. And he goes, Is that Casey? And I'm like, buddy, I don't even know if that's you. If you didn't have your accent, I wouldn't even know it's you right now. I can't see you either. So Scouse grabs Casey and says, Hey, guess who we've got coming on like in four weeks, three weeks? Scott Stewart, you want to get on? Casey's like, Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, it's great to be here. Good to see your faces. It's been far too long. Scott, we um, I kind of prefaced that you were getting on the show early, uh, but uh, you know I said something about uh, you you had a you kind of big timed us really. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you messaged me earlier and says, "Man, I got to do this Instagram live thing with Phoenix," and then I kind of embellished and said, "Well, he asked if he could come on the show with Phoenix," and I said, "Absolutely not," but you never really asked that you could do that because you wouldn't. So, tell us about your little Instagram live thing you did. 
Yeah, just talking to um, Phoenix Rising's John Baccaro, just ahead of the, the big one this weekend, the um, Tampa Bay-Phoenix game down here at Al Lang, nationally televised on ESPN2. Um, just a, a big occasion, but a, a great opportunity for the championship to show the nation what they've got from a cast of talents. And Louisville's time will come soon. I know we all know we can't wait to see um, Lynn Family Stadium back on national TV. But, yeah, just a, a quick conversation to preview what we got coming up this weekend. So I want to touch on that real quick. It was later in my notes that I know that you all have seen and our notes for scouts now that we send out, we take weeks for doing them, kind of take turns doing them. And they're normally super loose. Actually, I kind of looked through this one like I've got some really decent talking points on this. What <laughs> I wanted to get into and Scott and, and you've kind of prefaced this. So we're going to jump forward a little bit is kind of this now east west thing that we go. It's not like old East Coast, West Coast rap scene, you know, like that battle, but we're now getting to see these people before the, you know, the championship basically. So here's a perfect example, Phoenix versus Tampa. Talk to us about like how all that worked with getting these games. And this is a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think that one of the awesome things about the championship is the Eastern conference and the Western conference are both very strong. Right. And so you've got a really, really solid cast of characters on both sides. But one of the things that we recognize is, to continue to make the league as attractive as as we know it is, putting some of these teams together in interleague play is a, a major opportunity. So for the first time, I mean, this year is the first year in three years that we're going to be able to see Eastern Conference teams against Western Conference teams in a non-championship final uh, setup. So right. Tampa Bay Phoenix is one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm already looking ahead, probably looking too far ahead, but that Louisville-New Mexico game Can't wait. Uh, at the end of the year, I mean, it's just like, you're, you get two incredible teams like Phoenix, like Tampa Bay, two incredible fan bases like Louisville, like New Mexico, and you get them to join together and you give people a preview of what could end up being something like a championship final. So I think it just it helps us be able to show that the league, um, it, one, is listening to the fans because people have been clamoring about this. I think the last interleague game was in 2018 and it was Tampa Bay and Monarchs and Obviously, the championship final every year is just a spectacle. So people are like, hey, we want to see more of this. And so as the country begins to open up safely, as our players, clubs, fans are getting vaccinated, why not give everybody an opportunity to um, say hi to a friend on the western side of the, um, the country or an eastern side if you're on the western side and um, see some really, really incredible teams go head to head before the playoffs start. So with that the schedule challenge must have been something crazy i mean how many sleepless nights is you all have trying to figure that out how are you going to do like this little east west thing it could not have come at a worse time actually yeah, like, yeah which state is opening up how are we going to handle this you know we didn't have the championship last year but that's a side but nothing anybody can do about that so how did you all get through this and, and get that worked out yeah, I mean, so the the nice thing is um, I'm involved in zero of those conversations. So I've, I'm very, very quick to give credit to our, our incredible operations staff who goes through these. They've got these like schedule matrices that they build out. And so we've got a, a computer program that like plugs people in and stuff. But then you add in all of the external factors like states opening up and travel and right. restrictions and everything like that. Um, so I'm sure they had a few sleepless nights. I think my sleepless nights were more like me waiting for the championship to kick off rather than like having to schedule the championship kicking off. But um, no, I know that a lot of work went into it. I know that they um, they put in a lot of hard work. And I think the only benefit of 2020 from the pandemic perspective on the league is that we did have to learn already how to navigate this process of who's open, who's not. What does it look like to get in? I mean, poor New Mexico United played every game of their season on the road last year right. that in and of itself you know they're going up to colorado springs and it's being labeled as a new mexico home match but it's obviously at widener field which is yeah. not their home venue so i think we've gotten a little bit of experience and gotten a taste of what that process looks like and how we can continue to um, do it better and navigate it in 2021 but i mean i think when you look ahead to the weekend and you look ahead at tampa bay phoenix especially because they were the finals last year and especially because there was so much to play for I mean, who knows? Obviously, the same thing could have happened in any city that we were in in the country. It just so happened that it went that way down here in Tampa Bay. Uh, but it's it's an incredible opportunity, like I said. And I think that we're just we're chomping at the bit, man. I'm just fortunate enough that I don't have to watch it from my couch and that I actually get to experience some live soccer again. Well, you know, one of one of the things that um, 
you know, I know it is probably a nightmare for a lot of these teams. It's not like um, Liverpool going to play Manchester United down the street, and it's not like going 200 miles down to to, to London to go play a game. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, some of these teams are doing a thousand, two thousand mile trek to get to um, wherever they're going to play. Um, so, how is that taken into account for? Um, a lot of these teams because you know going across all these time zones and then next saturday you're going to play at home you know how are a lot of those teams going to um battle that yeah i mean it's obviously a, a much more significant adjustment right like liverpool going to southampton like that's a long train ride for all the supporters but it's not nearly like a 16 hour yeah. car ride like somebody, yeah, it's a six hour had, train ride but yeah that's it. we had a that's it we had a fan who drove from Omaha to Greenville, 16 hours from Omaha to Greenville ahead of wow. the final last year. So, I mean, you got guys and listen, I think that's um, that's part of the hand that we're dealt. That's part of the just the sheer size of the country that we operate in. Um, and so a lot of it is unavoidable. But that is why you see in the regular season, we take a much more regional approach because it is a lot easier for Oakland to go to Phoenix on the same time zone for Phoenix. I don't know if the guys would say that there's a a huge, like significant factor in them having to lose, you know, three hours and adjust on the fly. I think, you know, for some of the interleague games, they might come in a day earlier just to get adjusted to the cycle a little bit easier. But I mean, it's, it's just part of the nature of the beast. But if you asked any of these guys, would you rather be in Sacramento this weekend? Like at Phoenix, for example, would you rather be in Sacramento this weekend or would you like an opportunity to go down to Florida to play Tampa Bay at Al Lang Stadium? They're going to pick Tampa Bay every time because there is this uniqueness of non-familiarity that we're able to offer. So, yes, again, the final last year not being played adds to it. But I think New Mexico would say the same thing about being able to go up to Louisville. It's just it's different. It might be a longer trip. The fans might have to make a little bit more effort to get up there. But, boy, when you're in there, when you're at Lynn Family Stadium in front of what we hope will be a full-capacity crowd at that point in time, every single minute spent, every dollar spent, all of it is worth it for the experience that you're going to get I'm on that And I'm just going to send night. you a warning right now. I'm going to send you a warning right now because when either Racing Louisville scores or when Louisville City scores in a full stadium, you'll be able to hear us in Tampa. You know oh, that. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, and I'm honestly, I've got to close my eyes when um, when somebody scores at Lynn Family Stadium just because of the lights. Floating embrace around. it. But yeah, <laughs> embrace it. Got to embrace it. Got to embrace it. But listen, it's. Um, I heard you guys even over the weekend um, uh, in a in a tough draw. Um, it's loud. It's already loud. And so mm-hmm. we're just excited to see how loud it really gets when everything is back to um, the way that we want it to be. So, Scott, I'm not going to get you caught in a crossfire, but you are on a pod that's, uh, you know, about Louisville City and racing. So I'm going to throw it over to Casey to kind of tee up this last match against Birmingham Actors Theater. What was your take <laughs> from Soccer City Radio and being on the call? And, Scott, you don't have to comment on this. You're not going to get caught in a crossfire. No friendly bullets here. <laughs> but, Casey, I, so I was driving back from our daughter Cassidy's uh, graduation in Murray uh, that you all knew about. And so I didn't get to be at the stadium. I listened to it. I heard you and Jeff on the call. You all did a fantastic job on the radio. Shan, I really enjoyed that a lot. We actually was like, oh, this is a different experience listening to it like this. Got home, working on some stuff, and watched the second half. And uh, do I remember this scene in, like, the Raiders of the Lost Ark when they opened up the, the tomb of the ark, and then like everybody had their eyes open, got burnt, and they fell down. Do y'all remember that? You've seen that scene? Mm-hmm. That was the second half of this match. So in Birmingham Actors Theater, Casey, what was your take on that game with that 1-1 draw? We got a, a pin that was called and then off the line too quick. How did, how did you all see it? I mean, I think we overall put together a great performance with it being our first match under Danny Cruz. I was very right. impressed with how they came out. I was very impressed with the style of play. I loved, I think one of my favorite things, that, and when you could, were sitting up where I was, you could really see it how on offense, we were in like sideline to sideline. We were completely spread out. There was so much right. space. We were able to move the ball nicely. And then the minute we turned it over, we compressed on defense and we made it really difficult for them to break us down. I think the penalty was very unfortunate. I think it was a very soft call. In my opinion, you can see it being called. I couldn't really argue with it too hard. If I was on the other side, if I was on Birmingham Actors Theater, I would say that was a good call. But Uh, I'd be like, yeah, but it was still it was in the limits of where it could be. So I know there were two other plays 
that they should have called PKs on them. So if you're going to call that PK against us, they should have called two more on them. And one of them was Brian Ombi. I think uh, Kavita slid, slide tackled, and then he like took him out afterwards. And the other one was Jonathan Gomez got taken out from behind. Sure, Both of those should have been 100%. called. But I, as much as I hate to say it, Chris Hubbard did jump off his line early. And it was the right call to bring it back. I think, I think so, it's too. a little harsh, in my opinion, because you always Especially try to get the keeper. Especially because a side judge, too, then you're like, I didn't need yes. that. We just had the save. <laughs> it was such a good save. He did so well. But he did jump off his line early. I mean, it's just it's a harsh call. I think you should give the keepers the benefit of the doubt because they clearly are at the disadvantage there. <laughs> it's 12 feet you away. Know. Exactly. So, so overall, so you, happy. So you're making you're making that call with um, yes, he was off his line. Was that because of the um, the new Scousers House goal camp down at the Coopers end? It was. Could see it on there too. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh -huh. right. uh, I mean, <laughs> heartbreaking though. I felt so bad for him because it was such a nice play, you know. But overall, very pleased. I would like us to do better with finishing on set pieces. I think we had like 14 corners or something like that, and only put one yeah. in the back of the net. So got to do a little bit better with that, but not too bad overall. Yeah. yeah no, we had Birmingham, you know, when Devin Kerr was on your scouts, what was it, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Uh -huh. He said that Birmingham was the team to kind of watch for in our new division that has been realigned. Scott, there were a lot of additions to this. Scouts, it, it looked like a little different team than what we had last year coming when we were trying to face them, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the, the one thing that I was really disappointed with and and, um, and I wish we could get this out of the game altogether is every time that, that um, somebody took a breath on somebody from Birmingham Legion, they, they were you know, flopping on the pitch like they were a flounder, you know. And um, there's a, a couple of instances where the, 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 um, one of the players was down at the, the Scousers' house end. And, you know, we knew he the only reason why I was on the ground because he was taking a breather. You know, you can't fool us behind a goal because we're right there looking at you. You know, so um, it it was really disappointing to see that. And um, you know, twelve minutes of um, of injury time, really. You know, and that's all down to, to you know. Um, I know I'm putting you in a, the hot seat right here, uh, Scott. But um, twelve minutes of injury time because the flopping on the pitch. Come on, really? You know that, that a lot of that's, time. Just, that's just taking piss. Right there, you know, for one of a better word, you know, shit, come on, man up. The, the women's team don't flop around the floor like that, so uh, I, I wouldn't expect it to be from the men. Yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm more of a fan of racing, I think, than I am of, of Louisville City at this point, because I think I'm just getting more into the women's game, period. Um, 12 minutes was a lot, though, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm not a pro referee spokesman, thank God. I um, mm -hmm. I only get to speak for the league, obviously, but. Um, yeah, I mean, unique circumstances. It's one of those where you walk away and I'm, I'm sure Danny was, um, I'm sure Danny was content with the point because he knows that there were things that the, the club could have built on off a performance like that. Sure. But mm -hmm. obviously, you know, I think that it is, it's going to be few and far between in instances where you don't walk away from games like that and don't have a small gripe at the very least. So yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely something to continue to watch for, but I am with Devin. I think Birmingham is a, they're a talented team yep. and they've shifted a lot in the off season and they've got a lot of promise this year. Um, and that, that is just one good early look at what you're going to see throughout um, the year from them, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that gets into, into my next uh, kind of bone of contention is um, um, perhaps you can give us some insight in, in how um, the referees that we have out there right now, and I'm, you know, we're seeing it in the USL. We're seeing it in the NWSL too. Is the the quality of the refereeing is not quite there, and um, you know, not not to, to to jump on the bandwagon with the, the guy we had um, over the weekend, but you know, I've got t-shirts older than him because the guy. <laughs> I don't even think he shaves yet. We're old scouts, you know, and uh, um, I'm thinking that you know that the quality of the refereeing has got to get better. How is that going to happen? Yeah, I don't know, honestly. I don't know what pro referees' processes are and how they vet. I know that um, my understanding in years past has been that they pulled from local talent and then would train them up, and that way they would have you know the same refs covering the same regions from a familiarity standpoint. But I wish that I was able to, um, to speak on pros' understanding of, of how that happens. Because, I mean, I think 
look, the game is going to continue to evolve in this country, and that involves every single part of it, right? The quality of play is going to get better. The facilities are going to get better, but that obviously involves that the referees are going to continue to get better. So it might be a, it might be a slower process than we all want it to be, um, but I have trust and faith that in due time, we will consider to see and continue to see um, guys that have experience at a higher level that are refereeing on a more consistent basis. Because I think that quality and consistency and experience is one of the ways that we're going to be able to trust that, you know, we're getting a guy who is really confident or, or a gal. I mean, we have um, all four officials in Tampa Bay over this last weekend were female. Oh, um, really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, I love that. The first yeah. time in league uh-huh. history. So love I that. think guy, girl, um, old, young, whatever it is, it's, it's all about the quality. And so that's going to be, for me, that's going to be consistency of refereeing at a high level. Um, and then just being able to consult, I think that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the refs aren't as fortunate because the technology just isn't the same in this country of having a lot of in-ear conversations and being able to, you know, talk back and forth. Hey, what did you see? What did you see? You're on the side, you have a different vantage point yeah. than me. Um, so I think the implementation of stuff like that, I could probably spend the rest of this podcast with my suggestions for how we do yeah, it yeah. A, yeah. across all levels of the game. Um, but I just, I'm glad I'm not a referee. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. But, you know, having said that is, um, you know, I, I've seen it um, or we've all seen it both ways, whether, you know, you're a fan of VAR or you're a mm-hmm. fan of the referee's decision is final. And I'm getting towards the, the second part of that. I, I'd much rather it be uh, have the referee make a mistake than have to be prattling around with uh, VAR all of the time, you know, because even uh, with VAR doesn't mean they're going to get the decision right. You know, we, we've seen so many times that, you know, you're offside because your big toenail was offside. Come on, really? Yeah, you know? and just like freeze framing at the right spot, I think, is is a real issue of contention of mine when it comes to VAR. Because mm-hmm. you're talking about a millisecond of a camera frame. And so being able to judge accurately when the ball actually left somebody's foot in an offside situation is not something that I think, you know, any league that's implementing VAR is doing well. Um, But I am, I will say of the times that I have trusted in VAR and I've seen it go right are the times where the referees made a decision, the VAR has made a decision, the referee is able to consult the monitor and then he makes Mm -hmm. the final decision. The problem is the referees are under so much scrutiny that they don't want to put themselves in a position where they are the ones to blame. Martin Atkinson does not want to run to a monitor look at a decision that was made, and then have him be the one who catches all the flack. So ultimately, I think it's it's a little bit more about accountability across the board. Um, mm-hmm. So Stockley Park in, in England needs to take responsibility for it just as much as the officials on the field. Otherwise, you're never going to have actual change and progress because it's just going to be everybody pointing the finger at somebody else because uh-huh. there's always going to be somebody else to blame. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Casey, I'm sure your dad has um, kind of uh, put his fall penitent on this one. So uh, what have you heard from your dad? Well, I know that the quality of referees will differ between the USL and the NWSL. So you will see a higher level quality referee for the NWSL. It's just the way that it is. That's where a lot of the FIFA refs will get assigned to. And so that is one advantage for racing, but not as much for, you know, loose city. But... He actually was telling me about this show. It's called Man in the Middle. I think it's on Amazon Prime or something. Yeah, and what it does. Yeah. yeah, so, and just talking about this VAR, it's made me think about that because you get to hear the ref's thoughts and just how they train, the whole process of it, and you learn a whole new respect for the referee. And so it's just an interesting perspective. But I couldn't agree with Scott more that it comes down to really pointing the finger and no ref really wants to be the one that's like, oh, I made this game-changing call and went against the VAR because I saw something different. But the issue with VAR, like you said, it's when they stop the frame. And it's not fair because a player could be really, really fast and it just, you know, their body's moving, but they are on side. So it's tough, but I think it can be really good. It just Mm -hmm. needs a lot more improvement. Yeah. You know, and and I've said for for a while now, you know, that the referee and the linesman um, that are there at the game, they don't have those forensic lines to to fall back on they don't have them on the pitch so why should they be have them in the booth it should you be know? clear and obvious clear mm-hmm. and obvious and no forensic lines and uh, just make a call yet yeah, sometimes you're going to get it wrong but a lot of times you should get it right 
you know. So, um, but I'm still a fan of um, the referee's decision is final. I've got, I've said it, and you know, I didn't like a lot of the decisions from this past weekend. But guess what? We suck it up. We go on to the next uh, game, and uh, you know, we get behind our team like we normally would. So, um, so that's my views on it. And uh, you know, I, I didn't like the way it was refereed on on Saturday. But you know what? I'll get over it. Well, I think Scott touched on a really good point there. You know, it's like as soccer grows in America, let's just get back to that. Everything gets better, right? Well, it's quality of play. We've got guys in the Champions League, right? The U.S. that we would never had like eight, ten years ago from the U.S. We've got the women's team who controls the U.S. or the world market for the best players in the world. That would never happen 15, 20 years ago. So as we continue to rise – all ships go up, right? So the refereeing gets better. All these things happen. We get more leagues. And now we get divisional realignment, Scott. I love this. I like having new opponents. We get tired of playing the same teams over and over again. So what went into the thought process, this new divisional alignment, where we've got Tulsa, we got OKC in our division for, and of course, we're speaking just a little city on this, but <clears throat> how long was that in the works? What all went into that? That had to be a tough process. Yeah, so part of it was balanced, right? So adding clubs in the Western Conference, specifically Oakland, somebody has to then shift to the East because you got to have, you know, an even number on both sides or at least as close to even. We got 31, so there's an obvious difference, 16, 15 on one side. But um, I think the other part of it is, again, it's it's kind of like interleague play. It's just it's freshening the game up and it's freshening the league up. So you are going to get your big rivalry still, you know, Louisville, Indianapolis. Um, Obviously, you've got... El Paso, New Mexico, you've got the Copa Tejas teams and down in Texas, all of that needs to be preserved, but it also provides an opportunity for, you know, the Louisville's of the world. It's a great example to see OKC, to see Tulsa uh, when they normally wouldn't. So last year, obviously, due to the pandemic, it was so tight regionally that you were seeing the same three, four teams. And that just, it wasn't possible to, yeah, it just wasn't possible to go above that because of the circumstance we were in. We're still not quite as open as we want to be, but it's still a great choice to be able to say, you know, Tulsa is close enough to Louisville to be able to make this trip. No St. Louis. St. Louis was one of the teams that had experienced a back and forth. Tulsa's experienced a back and forth, even Oklahoma City to a degree. So some of those like Heartland teams that are right in the middle of the country are already kind of used to making the shift as they need to. Um, But I think, again, it's just a it's a good chance for teams like Louisville to see somebody a little bit different. And I think it shows that um, whatever our perceptions are of certain clubs, they tend to be a little bit different when we actually experience them in person. Um, You know, I think if you asked Indy fans, their thoughts on Tulsa, if they were in the West, they might have a different opinion than after they, you know, fell to them over the weekend. So I think it gives people a better chance to truly understand the makeup of a team because they're able to see them live in person at their venue or at their venue, um, as opposed to just looking at the table, looking at the stat sheet and saying, this is how I think Tulsa is going to play, or this is what I think of Tulsa, you know, as they contend for the playoffs or are out of the playoff race, whatever the circumstances, it's just more, it's more opportunity. And I think that's the big win for um, this year's divisional alignment. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm really excited to see some um, different teams out here too. And like you're saying, uh, New Mexico, and um, we'll be coming to um, to Louisville. And we're going to be playing them, and um, more the better. You know, um, I don't think that um, Louisville City or Racing Louisville, for that matter, they should be afraid of anybody. You know, you you, you come to uh, Lynn Family Stadium, and I'll guarantee you, you're going to be in for a football match. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the culture of success that the city of Louisville in soccer has built itself on. Right. I mean, teams that would go into, you know, the U of L and play, they knew they were going to have a tough contest. Anybody who even came to Slugger knew that they were going to have a tough contest against Lou City. And now you've got racing in town. And it's just like there is something that's being built there where you can have that confidence. You can carry that confidence in. So whether it is New Mexico, Tulsa, Indy, Pittsburgh, whomever is showing up that week, you're just naturally able to say we have confidence in ourselves. And that's why we're less focused on who is actually coming to see us and more focused on what we're doing to be able to continue to sustain that success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe you put Indy in on them because really it's not been that much of a contest. 
Not yet. Not yet. No, yeah. <laughs> history, history has shown a pretty one-sided uh, lobby for that rivalry. But, yeah, hey, you're familiar with it more than anybody. Everybody has a Liverpool and an Everton. Everybody has a United yep. in a city. And there's there's yeah. a balance occasionally. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, we've got, a, a, I think, um, a good rapport with the, the supporters up there. And uh, I love it every time we see them down here. So, uh, you know, the, the, um, the friendly banter goes both ways. It does, it does. And Casey, for you, like you're on the radio, you're on TV, you're on podcast now. So this division yeah, real celebrity. She is, and I know we can't. We got her for like this is the third time she's been on. Yeah, so, yeah. The check is in the mail. Uh, but Casey, <laughs> yeah. to you on this. So from your perspective, like being able to look at these different formations that are coming in, uh, this has got to be exciting for you. It's not the same old like we go back to India a year ago. It was all this Tyler Pasher show and all that stuff. Or it was Pittsburgh. It was the you know, we're going to be bogged down in a nil-nil draw. Somebody may actually lose negative one to zero against Pittsburgh. So, Casey, what's it like for you with this new division realignment? Well, it definitely makes it more fun to get to watch other teams instead of watching the same teams play over and over and try to come up with new things to talk about the same team <laughs> over right. and over that we all already know and we've all seen for like three times the game before. And so I think it's really exciting to get to look at new styles, see different players. I mean, I have to learn new names, which is a little challenging because I'm really bad at names. But it's a it's a really fun opportunity. And then I think one thing that it really helps is when it comes down to tournament time and you're, you're scouting a team, you actually get to scout them against maybe somebody that you've played. So instead of Good watching point. them play some random team out, you know, on the other division and they don't play any style similar to what you've seen, you could watch them play against Indy 11 and be like, well, this is how we beat them. How did they play against them? So it allows the scouting to be a lot better. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that affects uh, the tournament time. So, Yeah, and Scott, to so that, uh, one thing that we always knew from the years and back in your days when you were with Indy and then you were with Louisville before you moved to USL, it was always like we knew that the West was high scoring and the East knew how to grind out a game a little bit more. And now that we're starting to get into this like interdivision stuff, like the Major League Baseball stuff that we you know got rid of 20 years ago, this is a fun way, like Casey's saying, to be able to scout teams and actually have a better synopsis of who's good versus goal differential, because that was really all we had. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a benefit all around, right? So for teams, if I am Sacramento and I play a certain way and I'm able to look at, you know, how Phoenix performs against Tampa Bay, you're able to compare a little bit better, right? So you just right. get more visuals. There's more footage to be able to review. You're able to just get a more a better understanding of how teams set themselves up, how they attack, how they defend, what that looks like, which is great. But I think for the fans, it's just like, well, we may not see Sacramento until the championship final. And I don't maybe want to stay up until one, two in the morning to watch their games finish off. So you take advantage of these opportunities to be able to see them come to an Eastern Conference side and just get a better look at them. Um, I think for me, I'm going to try and go to as many of these as I possibly can, just because I think it's a, a unique occasion. But yeah, you're able to look at New Mexico and say, for Louisville, you know, we just saw them at the end of October. And now we're in the playoffs. We know that if we meet them in the championship final, this is what they look like. And you just get a better in-venue look at who they are and what they look like and how that plays out. And that way, you know, it's just a little bit more unique than, um, than ESPN Plus, for sure. Scott, for people that are not uh, just watching Louisville City games for us, because I like to watch other USL games too, you're dealing with the whole hemisphere of all this. Give us like five, six, seven games that through the season we should really be like marking to. For those of mm. ESPN Plus, you know, we're like, okay, well, I just need to go back and boot this one up. Who are some for the USL that you guys are just earmarking? You're like, oh, I can't wait to see this. And we don't even think about it because we're very in our own little bubble here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the the easy answer is a lot of the playoff matchups or rematches that we're going to have this year. So, yes, definitely pay attention to every interleague game, because I think, again, there's that uniqueness of, you know, not being familiar with what that looks like. But in the West, um, if you're trying to get some eyes on a Western Conference team, El Paso, New Mexico is always an entertaining fixture. We just saw them um, play to a 1-1 on Saturday, 96-minute goal from El Paso really look at the contenders, right? So San Antonio playing Austin, a lot of the teams in Texas that are in that tight little bubble that go against right. each other, I would pick them out. Um, you might want to get a look at any Oakland Roots games just because they're brand new and it's always interesting right. to see a team 
um, come and try and build up in their first season without knowing what the landscape looks like in the West. In the East, I mean, everybody knows that uh, nobody wants to play Pittsburgh ever, anytime. Um, no, so don't. watch Pittsburgh when you get a chance. I love why? Birmingham. But why do we want to watch them? It's horrible. It is horrible. But it's, it's like going to like... a car race and nobody has gas. <laughs> it is almost in a Oh, sense you see, I did like... that when nobody has gas in the East. In a sense, though, it's almost like watching the inevitable happen. It's like right. watching a car stuck on train tracks and the train is coming at like three miles an hour, but you still know it's going to hit the car. <laughs> right. at the end of the day. That's a good like, analogy, actually. Bob, Bob Lilly's teams are set up in a way that, you know, it is inevitably going to be a little less, I don't even want to say exciting or entertaining because I'm a, I'm a nerd. So I do actually geek out on watching a team like sit back defensively and just play very disciplined for however long they do until they break forward and break somebody's heart with a 90th minute goal or something like that. Um, but I would watch Pittsburgh. I would watch Birmingham. I think they're they're an interesting team. You never want to miss an, an Indy and Louisville game just for the sheer um, sort of banter that goes on between the clubs leading up to it. But um, honestly, I'm still earmarking Tulsa as one of the sleepers and the underdogs in the Eastern Conference. I think they are supremely talented. Coach Ensian has built a very special roster out there, and um, I think that they are going to be a team that Louisville might end up seeing come November. And um, it's better to look at them now. Oh, we lost Scott. You there? Well, I mean, it's a walk-off. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. I guess he pushed the button and it's got a... Uh, Went to bye bye, so, um, so uh, man, that that threw a wrench in the works right there. So here, uh, let's let's jump yeah. into something different real quick, and then if Scott gets back on, if he can, that's great. Oh, here he is. There he comes. There he comes. Oh, oh gosh, this is the this is great. This is like he does a little fun French exit, and then he comes right back in. The applause. It's a James yeah. Brown movement, actually, isn't it? It's like the cape comes off and it comes Indeed, back on. Man. You pulled a James I Brown on us, Scott. Was, you you I did. I wondered if that was the universe telling me that I should quit talking about Tulsa so much because I've done it so much in the last few weeks. No, what actually happened is, so I have like, I have downtime on my, on my phone if I've been on my phone too much because I'm like really into like stepping back and like disconnecting from the world. And so my downtime hit on my team's meeting and that's, they booted me. My iPhone did it to me. Blame technology. Yeah, get get rid of your iPhone. Get a Samsung. It's not better. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You're you're a few people who are advocating for that. But yeah. I, I do <laughs> but um, Scott, can you um, enlighten us? You got um, we got a couple of expansion teams. Um, we we talked about Monterey Bay and Queensboro FC. Can anybody give any insight on those guys? Yeah, absolutely. So Queensboro is a little bit further along in their processes just because they've existed as a club for a little bit longer. Um, they've got a great stadium plan in place. They've got a technical director in. They're starting to sort of like scout the USL network and see what sort of players they'd be bringing in. I think that the ownership's investment is very impressive. And I think that when Queens is in the league, they are going to be a team that is going to compete at a very high level. Um, it may not be right off the gate, like right off the their, their starting match. I'm not saying they're going to win their inaugural game 5-0 against Pittsburgh, um, but I do see their level of investment as one of longevity, meaning that they're when they're here, they're here to stay, and they're going to do it really, really well. Uh, Monterey Bay is a little bit different. They've got a stadium plan in place because they're sharing a venue right now and sort of building around it, which is a great opportunity for that region, but I think Monterey Bay is still a very attractive market for the championship because they are in sort of that niche of Northern California where we've got Oakland, we've got Sacramento. Right. So instantly you have some quality regional rivals that you're able to look at. But Frank Yallop, who we're familiar with from his time in Phoenix, his time in Fresno, he's sort of taken the reins on the technical side up there. So I think um, in a similar vein as Queens, he has the ability to build a very impressive team. And I think that they might be, you know, one of the one of the dark horses when they enter the league, you know, next year. Cool. So, um, Casey, next game up for uh, race in Louisville. What what have you got for us? Well, I'm really excited for that game because Gabby Vincent plays for uh, Kansas City, mm. and I played with her at U of L. 
And so okay. she was out in Utah, and since Utah is now in Kansas right. City, uh, she will be coming back. So I'm really excited to get to see her play. I haven't seen her uh, play for the NWSL live, so I think that'll be really exciting. But with regards to racing, I think the three keys that I have are we've got to be more technical in the final third. We've done a great job generating chances and all that stuff, but we've got to start putting them back of the net. We have to continue the high pressure because that's how we've been successful. That's how we have stayed in games. Our defense has been our bread and butter so far. And then finally, we've got to stay positive. I think both for the team and for the fans, because this team is building, there has been so many highs so far in the challenge cup that it's only going to keep getting better. So we have to stay positive, have to keep looking forward and have to keep a good mentality. So that way we can, be successful because if we start to get down then the energy is going to be bad and it's going to spill out onto the field and you know it's hard as a player to not win and to not to be in games the way that they are and then lose or to then tie and so it is really heartbreaking so as fans we have to make sure that we are remaining positive to help support them and help build them up absolutely absolutely and um you know i hope you've noticed one thing though casey Alex Morgan still hasn't shown up at uh, Lynn Family Stadium. I know. Too, I think she's too afraid to come. She's too scared. <laughs> too afraid to come. She's going scousers over there, and you know that little teacup thing. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> not having that crap. You know. Scott, so uh, to let you in on this whole story, so <laughs> Orlando's coming to town. We had Christy Holly on. We had a few. Oh no, it, it was actually when we had um, Mike Watts on. Mike Watts is on the show and we get to talking about some different things. And uh, we realized that Alex Morgan's not coming to town because she's on international duty. Scouse is basically labeled as she's on Scouse duty. So she's not available to come to the match because she's afraid yep. of the jeering that Scouse is going to give her. So oh, yeah. Mike immediately stepped away. He's like, dude, I got a contract with Paramount. I'm on the NWSL. <laughs> I am not touching this thing with a 20 foot pole. And he is still going down this road. I, I don't know if it's getting it's a little derelict of duty of being on this podcast right now. We may have to have a different conversation. But Scott, do you think that, do you think that Alex Morgan is scared to come to Louisville because of Scouse? Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I'm scared to go to Louisville if I haven't seen Scouse in too long or if there's been a bad Liverpool result recently. So I, um, I, I wouldn't blame her if that was the route she chose to take. <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness so um, i rest my case i rest my case that's all, all right I so say. we've got about 10 minutes here that we're going to wrap this up i want to hit a couple uh little quick things uh so and you could probably give us a little insight in this scott so u.s open cup has been canceled this year uh that affects mls affects usl any insight into that was it just true covid issues what can you tell us about that yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it was just another year of the pandemic um, taking a putting a halt on what I consider to be one of the most entertaining and incredible tournaments that the country 100%. has to offer in in any sport. Um, I I love I love the Open Cup probably more than I love league play. If I'm being honest, I just I just think there's something really really special about the environment that creates. It obviously has such an incredible history. I mean, so much more longevity than any league. You could add up all the professional leagues. And the, the amount of time they've been around and it still wouldn't touch the Open Cup. The Open Cup right. has been around. It is soccer in America. Um, so, yeah, was heartbroken to see that that decision was made. I obviously understand the Federation standpoint and, you know, what it takes to make the tournament successful and MLS's involvement, getting the proper amount of representation in the lower divisions. Um, but, yeah, that's that's one where 2022 can't come soon enough because I think we're we're all missing the Open Cup and just what it offers from uh, from a fan standpoint more than anything. Yeah, you know, and the only thing I can say about that is to to give some kind of um, perspective is just imagine English football without the FA Cup. Yeah, right. I, you can't, you know, because um, it's not, not often that you, you get um, the small little minnows getting a crack at the big boys. And, um, you know, that, that's it's just magical for me to, to think that um, somebody from League Division 4 can knock off Liverpool. And it, it happens. And it's happened to Liverpool too many times. And uh, I know you, you get mad, and, but uh, then you end up starting rooting for the, the minnows and hope they knock off a few more people. Well, and we see that in the States, right? I mean, it's it's more common than people think. And 
there's all this talk, you know, in England, especially about respecting the cup and respecting the competition and fielding mm -hmm. a strong side. Right. And, and in right. the States, if you're an MLS team, nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to be the guy who loses to the lower division side. It's not yeah. that it's, it's like an element of disrespect or <laughs> it, it reflects on the quality of your play, but no one will forget Louisville's run against Nashville and against, New you know, England. yeah, the Rebs when mm -hmm. they came to town. It's just and like, Friedel just lost his mind on his team. Yeah, and I mean, crushed him in the papers. And it's just so unique. It's just so different. And I think, you know, even for, for further lower division sides that are in League One and are in League Two and having an opportunity to play in the Open Cup, those are experiences those guys won't ever forget. Long Island, I mm -hmm. know that we like, we downplay it sometimes, but Long Island coming to Louisville, playing at Lynn Stadium yeah. and getting an incredible experience, even though they walk away and they're, they're you know, uh, probably a little bit bummed about the 5 0 result. They got to play against the likes of Brian Ombi, Paulo Del Piccolo, like guys who are going on and winning their league that year and guys who are then going on and beating the Rebs and then ending up playing in Chicago and just having, mm -hmm. you know, what I would consider unfortunate circumstances 100%. that lead to a heavy defeat. Those are the guys they look up to because that's the level that they want to be reaching. And that is the only time outside of preseason that you're going to be able to play. As, that's the only time, period in a meaningful competition that you're going to be able to play against some of the guys in which whose boots you want to end up filling one day um, from the, the quality of the level that you want to reach as a player. Yep, absolutely. Casey. So uh, you got uh, one final swing here. Scott, your, your guy that you guys used to do a little few things on the radio with, and he's now in the USL in this high position. So what can you do to kind of knock him off his pedestal? I mean, what are some basic <laughs> things that you can give him? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I've I've known Scott for a couple of years now, and I'm really sad that he's all the way down there because we don't get to do games anymore. I think we did one at a couple at Lynn Stadium. Yeah, Lynn Stadium. Got to make sure I get them correct. And it was right. just awesome. I think Dylan Terry was with us as well for uh -huh. one of them. And I've known Dylan. Oh goodness, since I was like eight or nine because we both played club soccer together. So it was a whole lot of fun and wish you could come back and join us. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be back at Lynn stadium and Lynn family stadium a couple of times in the, in the near future here, but uh, love Louisville, miss the community, miss the city. It's um, it's a beautiful place. And obviously very, very proud to be watching from afar to see all the success that's going on up there. And Scott, from your perspective, when you were uh, doing your stuff, moving from Indy to Louisville and Louisville down, you kept going further south. I don't know if you're going to <laughs> Key West or Cuba or where you're going, but you know, like you're now kind of like one of the more grizzled people around and then to see Casey move up in her position. I mean, what's it like to see this thing continue to grow and grow and grow NWSL here now? I mean, what's that mean for you who truly, you truly care because you and me and Scouse have been to a number of games at Molly's that we've watched Liverpool uh, just we happen to have the same supporters thing, but to see this thing continue to grow and grow and grow, what's that mean for you? Because obviously you have a vested interest in this. Yeah, and I will, I'll be very quick to say that I was just a small part of that fabric, right? And I think that's the best part about Louisville is there are so many people that you could very quickly name that have seen and been a major part of what this club has done. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there for the year and a half that I was, and it's it's awesome to see everything that's gone on. But I think, you know, I was actually, um, it's, it's funny, the timing of this podcast, Lance McGarvey called me last night just to catch yep. up and say hi. And um, it's funny how you knew that you were going to be on this podcast. That's really <laughs> odd. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's funny. But he um, just hearing the excitement in his voice, hearing the excitement in all of you guys and just what is going on up there. There is just so much to look forward to. And um, I'd say my my little parting statement would be, it takes a long, long time to build something that is successful and sustainable both. And the city of Louisville has come together to put the club on both clubs, really, on the fast track to doing that. And there is nothing more exciting than watching a team who you know is going to be your children's team, your grandchildren's team in mm -hmm. their own facility, being able to grow the women's game equally. There is nothing better than knowing that what you are seeing is going to be passed on to a future generation. And that is why we love the game as much as we do. Um, so kudos to everybody up there for, um, for what's going on. Well, thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. But, uh, you know, cause I, I remember, still remember the first time I ever met you cause I, I knew about Scott Stewart, um, but I'd never met the guy. And all of a sudden I'm sitting at the bar at uh, Molly's and he goes, you scouse. 
<laughs> you know, I met you sitting at the bar at uh, Molly's watching a Liverpool game when it was it a mid? I think it was a midweek game. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was. Thing, maybe an unfortunate thing about me is I'm never afraid to strike up a conversation. So yeah, it gets you in trouble in some circles. In Louisville, it's welcome. I'll tell you one thing you struck up a conversation was that you outkicked your punt coverage, as we say it here for where I'm from, is that congratulations to Scott, recently engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely outkicked my uh-huh. coverage there. She's um, she's an incredible woman. So Looking forward to, to uh, building the yep. cross. So, Thank Scott, I've, I've got, I need an explanation from you because uh, you live down there in Tampa, right, and you got all that sunshine. Where's your suntan? Yeah, it's um, – listen, I think that I've just started to embrace how Indiana I actually am. And the, the tan just means I get red, which is probably even worse than me not having yeah. a tan, yeah. if I'm being that, honest. That, that's me. I just go from pink to white, from, yeah. from white to pink, and then and that's it. So Trust me, I, I would like to say that I've gotten even a shade darker down here, but I think it's a blatant lie. As soon as I go up to Indiana, it's right yeah. back in the, um, in the corner. So tell field. us about your lovely lady. Yeah, she's great. We um, we met down here at a at a local church, and um, mm. we just met through a couple of mutual friends, and just started hitting it off. My favorite thing about her is that she really doesn't care about how much I love Liverpool, which is a, a big bonus for me. So I'm yeah. able to invest in time there. But um, yeah, just hit it off really really well. Um, yeah. So who does she support? Track. Who does she, she support? Is, uh, she would be very quick to say that she doesn't have a team, but. We're um we're we're chipping away. She okay. enjoys. She loves yeah. Mo Salah. She loves yeah. Mo Salah. She thinks that he's he's just fun to watch. Um, I think her favorite thing though is how excited I get when you know, like you could take the Tiago goal last week as, a, as yeah. an example. <laughs> They're just those little moments of joy that um that you get to see somebody you love and get to experience, and and everybody gets to to love a sight like that. So she's yeah. um she's a she's a pseudo Liverpool fan. She's getting there. Okay, we'll whip her into shape. Yeah, she'll, yeah. she'll get there. As long as Mo doesn't leave, I think that we have a we have a good case. I don't think there's any chance of that. I don't think there's any with chance you. of that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got um, a couple of things in uh, Scouse's house that's going on. Uh, we've finally got rid of um, your PayPal. Bye. Yeah. Um, and our uh, Venmo account is up and running. And I want to thank everybody that uh, has been on this week to um, pay the dues for um, a membership in Scouser's House, which is uh, this year is ten dollars. And um, just look up either Scouser's House or Michael uh, slash Bromlow, and then you'll find us on there. Um, because uh, we love doing podcasts like this, and we love putting the flags out, we love putting the banners out, and we love um, supporting KRM. So um, please. Um, Get yourself um, a membership in Scouser's house so that um, we can keep on doing things like this and uh, putting smiles on everybody's faces. And um, that's what we're all about is uh, getting bums in seats and um, everybody is welcome. And uh, yeah, get out to the game and, and watch a game because uh, I think it was on um, Saturday we had three newbies with us on Saturday. Never been to a game before. And um, from what I gather, they've already bought season tickets. So, you know. It strikes again. There you go. So. There you go. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Casey, any parting shots? You've got so much going on Soccer City Radio. I think we've covered from Scouts outside, haven't we, buddy? Yeah, so just if you are available, to come out and check. Listen, make sure you listen to us on Thursday nights when we do the remotes. Also come out because um, it's really awkward to kind of talk to nobody. And we're trying to like broadcast it out for everyone to hear. And we have like the speaker and everything. And then no one's actually listening or paying attention so if we do remotes come on out and check us out yeah i will be there scott anything from you man it's a big deal to get you on here i know it doesn't seem like to you but i know you've got you plug your podcast you got a podcast going on too there brother yeah uh kelsey Steele and i doing steal some time for the the third year running which is uh just a good opportunity to get guys on we'll have somebody on from louisville hopefully pretty soon here um but yeah, just all the best to, to both the, the men and the women up there. We're excited to just continue to watch. I'm glad that I can get NWSL games on um, Paramount Plus. And I know, I think the regular season I might have to watch through Twitch, somebody told me. Um, so I'll have to find a way to, to jump on there. But certainly wishing Danny and the, the guys all the best as well, because I know there's been um, a little bit of change. But um, success is the consistency up there. And I think he's the right guy to continue to lead forward. So uh, I've got a kind of um, real serious question for you here, Scott. Is uh, 
uh, Kelsey Steele, is she afraid to come on here with those guys? Uh, no, I think she would enjoy it, mainly because if you gave her an opportunity to put me on blast, she would she would take it pretty quickly. So okay. Shoot All right. Invite. Okay. We shall definitely do that. I love it. <laughs> See how that goes there? Huh? You, you you did very well. You, yeah. you this guy, yeah. I mean, this is what you do. You open up the door, just to give him a crack, and he's it's a boot right through it, and he's got the whole deal done. So yeah, yeah. Scott, thanks for jumping on. Casey, thanks Thank for jumping you, on. Y'all been more than gracious with your time. I know Scott, you were squeezing other stuff. And Casey, you're on the radio tomorrow night. Uh, we'll probably see you there. I hope to see you yeah. there. And then you're back on for Saturday's game, five o'clock. Hey, you, you know the one thing we did forget though. Is, There's always know, one more thing. Yeah. You know, you know Casey right there? She's sitting in a, a, a new house. She's now a new homeowner, and she's sitting Come in a new house. So. Yes, thank yeah. you. Good First you, Casey. house. Yeah. So yeah. Living in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're doing a podcast for the first time on Scouts' house in your new house. Yeah. So my cat just jumped off my lap and messed up my headphones, but I'm really excited. It's a lot of work for the, the house, but you know what? It'll be worth it. Yeah, it's your house. Exactly. I can do whatever I want. Yes, you can. <laughs> all right, there's a roof over your head. It was a great fun. Everybody, thanks so much for coming on. Cheers. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, thanks much. Guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Good night. <laughs>